It's the Americhicks with Kim Munson. The most important stories. That seems to me like government is establishing a religion. The latest in politics and world affairs. If you give people rights, women's rights, gay rights, whatever, there can't be equal rights if there's special rights. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. Surveys show that, that people still really prefer freedom versus force. It's the Americhicks dissecting issues as right versus wrong. Instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Oh, indeed. Let's have a conversation. Welcome to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where we talk about important issues. It's important that we get our brains around these issues. And that's one of the reasons why we are doing Vino and Veritas, a study of the Federalist Papers. And I just want to make sure I say thank you to the Harris family because they are the ones that bring the Federalist Papers show to us once a month. And I just wanted to make sure that uh, you knew that because uh, it's just great that we are getting our brain around why we believe what we believe. Today, we've got a really important show for you. We're going to go through some headlines. And then Don Watkins, he is the Director of Education with the Center for Industrial Progress. And this is our Health and Hydrocarbons show, which is, uh, uh, we'd like to say thank you to Liberty Oilfield Services for bringing this to you because hydrocarbons have really brought more people out of poverty and contributed to uh, human flourishing and progress. And so it'll be great to talk with Don Watkins. He was the editor for Alex Epstein's very important book, The Moral Case for Fossil Fuels. So we'll talk with uh, Don in segments Three and four. And again, thank you to Liberty Oil Field Services for their sponsorship of this particular show. Uh, socialism, the narrative, it's being romanced right here in America. And uh, it socialism ultimately comes down to force. And as we look at each of these issues, we look at it as freedom versus force, force versus freedom. And it is never compassionate to take other people's rights their property, or their freedom via force, whether with a weapon, policy, or an unpredictable or excessive taxation. But we are seeing a a move through this administrative bureaucratic state and local, county, state, and, and national levels that are socializing these industries that have made made it so that everyday individuals can thrive and prosper. And we need to move back towards freedom in transportation, education, energy, housing, and water. And so we're going to be talking about these big ideas. Hopefully this will help you get your brain around them so that you can converse with your your friends, your family, the kids before they go back to school. And uh, as we talk about these issues, Steve, this is one one of our favorite questions from Stephen Kessler. You felt good, but did you do good? And that's an important question to remember. So, first of all, thank you, Producer Steve, Zach, Patty, Keith, and Charlie uh, for the team for keeping this train on the tracks. And thank you to each of you listeners out there. Each of you, you are valued, you are treasured, you have a purpose. So go out there and do that today. Uh, So our inspiration... For today is from John D. Rockefeller. He was the founder of Standard Oil. Since we're going to be talking about fossil fuels today, he said, Singleness of purpose is one of the chief essentials for success in life, no matter what what may be one's aim. So again, singleness of purpose is one of the chief essentials for success in life, no matter what may be one's aim. And that's John D. Rockefeller, founder of Standard Oil. I wonder what the governor would think of that quote. (laughs) 
I wonder. I mean, I didn't oh, I throw a rock at you, but, you know, it certainly <laughs> explains his focus. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and we're talking about fossil fuels, transportation, all those things. So for today's funnies, are you ready, Steve? Yeah, uh, fire away. Okay. Did you hear the Department of Transportation is laying off thousands of workers? No. They invented a shovel that stands up by itself. Wow. Ouch. You know, yesterday you asked, like, is that maybe going too far? And I thought, no, it's not. And here's why. I mean, as, as taxpayers, we we watch Department of Transportation things going on around us, and we just scratch our heads and say, what are they doing? Well, and speaking of that, uh, Patty and I were talking about headlines uh, yesterday afternoon, and I have seen a headline that came through that the Department of Transportation is now starting snow staying. You know, they have busting, and I don't really think that the Department of Transportation is supposed to be in the bus business. We have private enterprise that does bus business. And so now we have tax dollars that are going in to compete against private entities. And uh, I, I think there's something really wrong about that. I think this, the Department of Transportation is supposed to make sure that we don't have potholes in the road. You think? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, and, and can, in terms of not taking a shot at him, People are getting, their patience is running out. I put something on Facebook over the weekend. Republicans and Democrats are nothing more than a pair of unfit parents in a custody battle over America. They're not hurting each other nearly as much as they're hurting the country. Well, and to that point, when Donald Trump looks into the camera at his rallies and he says, they're not coming after me, they're coming after you. And I just happen to be in the way. And I just happen to be in the way. That is true. So the veil is off, my friends. The veil is off. We, we, we see what the fight is, and we are Americans. And that means that we need to engage in this battle of ideas. And it's ideas that matter. You know, Ronald Reagan was able to bring down the Berlin Wall because he was in the battle of ideas. It wasn't with, with weapons. It was with um, words. And that is why we do this show, Steve. So let's jump in. Speaking of words... I mean, this whole calling people racist is really getting out of hand. You've got a soundbite, I think, that you wanted to play, right? Yeah, if you're ready for it. Uh, let's go ahead. Uh, maybe set this up. This is with, um, you know, Donald Trump, Elijah Cummings, Representative Elijah Cummings was, was going after Donald Trump. And he said, hey, how about your own backyard, right? Exactly. And in this soundbite, we have a resident of Baltimore and the he that she keeps going after here in this 30-second soundbite is Elijah Cummings. He hasn't done anything for us. For the last, I think he's been in office over 20 years? 30. 30? Okay, so I was like 18 back then, and he hasn't done anything for us. No cookouts, no shoe giveaway, no clothes giveaway, nothing for the, And then y'all want to know about the houses, he hasn't done anything. And people want to talk about Donald Trump, Donald Trump this, Donald Trump that. Why is this man over there taking care of people at the border? We hungry. We need a place to stay. We feel like we're in a concentration camp. And it's, it's just sad. He worried about more about them than his own people. It's, it breaks my heart to see this. It does. This, this, this neighborhood, the last time this neighborhood was driving was 2003. 2003. That's a long time ago. That's a lot, of, that's a lot to say. That, that is a lot to say. <laughs> And uh, 
you know, what is happening in these urban centers? Uh, yesterday when Roger was on, he, he pulled up the uh, orkin rat-infested uh, cities. And Denver's number 10 on that. But all of the cities are now being run by progressive, regressive, I would say, socialist Democrats. And whatever socialism touches, uh, it, it does not bring people up. It brings people down to a common denominator of misery, of, of filth, of, of I, I hardly ever go downtown anymore because I'm not interested in seeing rats uh, downtown. Downtown is getting so dirty. Each of these cities used to be beautiful, beautiful cities. And it's because of public policy that our beautiful cities are becoming, in some areas, third world country, Steve. And if it's not you know, rats per se, it, it's just the goofy, off-the-wall behavior of people. The 16, 16th Street Mall, for example. I remember when they took 16th Street and converted it to a mall, and what a great idea. And A pedestrian mall. Pedestrian, and, you know, what a great, and the result was, was astonishing. It was great. But look at it today, and oh my gosh, walk around down there, panhandlers and people... I don't know. Let's not get into the description of the behaviors, but it's like, what is happening here right in front of our very eyes? Greg Gutfield, he's a commentator, opinion guy for Fox News. He wrote a piece and he says why the Dems are basically squirming and wish that Trump would shut up about the urban situation. He says, once again, the media is calling President Trump racist, this time for exposing the obvious. Baltimore's Democratic machine has failed the city. After decades of doing what big city Democrats do so well, running their cities into the ground, Baltimore is crime-ridden, drug-ridden, and rodent-ridden. Okay, that's a statement of the obvious. Well, and the people that are living there, you heard that woman. And uh, I'm not sure that I, I think that he needs to do shoe giveaways and those kinds of I, things. Yeah, I had a <laughs> chuckle for, he yeah. hasn't done anything for us, and she kind of goes off, and it's like, wait a minute, that's not what he's there that's, for. That's not what government is there for. But what government is there for is that we um, we have safe neighborhoods so that people have the opportunity to go after their hopes and dreams. And uh, there's crime in these areas. Uh, you know, I mean, the streets need to be clean. And, you know, Steve, I, th- I was thinking about it on the way in, this whole racist, 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 racist thing. Uh, I, I uh, received a text message from uh, one of my colleagues that said that, uh, and she's in the retail business, that, that people come in and, and there, there are those that have this victim mentality. And if for some reason you push back for any reason, you're immediately racist. And I... I've thought a lot about this. What is a racist? A racist is someone who defines another person by their color, right? I mean, isn't that really what it is? And so we had been making great progress, I think, after the civil rights movement, you know, towards instead of seeing people as their color, as we were looking for, as Martin Luther King Jr., the content of their character. That is really where we want to be. I think we went into the millennial, the millennium, with what you just said. We have made a lot of progress, and we're, you know, steadily moving upward in this whole arena. Now, what changed? What changed? And it wasn't just Barack Obama. Uh, although, when Barack Obama, I, I think many people looked at the election of Barack Obama and thought, "Wow, you know, this is amazing that a little country 
within just a little over 200 years that at our founding, we did have slavery. But bear in mind, and this is the thing that people don't, don't, are not honest about, and that is, is that slavery was prevalent throughout the world. And it is amazing that this little country within 70, what, 75 years or so, went to war and lost over 600,000 lives, primarily Caucasian, primarily white people, fighting white people to answer this particular question. And, and um, then, you know, not even, you know, 200 years, just about 200 years later, we elect a black president. I mean, is that not something to be celebrated? But then Barack Obama came in and he started to, I think, divide us. He came in with an axe to grind. And it started to find people by their, their race. What was the name of his book? My Father's What? Uh, Dreams of My Father, I guess. Yeah, I think that's it. And, but the whole premise was this, that there was something radically wrong and with this whole scenario, and he's actually starting to go backwards. Right. And when he said he was going to transform America, he wanted to transform us back to being divided. Now, we need to go to break. I want to continue this particular discussion because there's been things that I have noticed that have been kind of under the radar that I think that has pushed this this narrative. And, um, and it's amazing that Donald Trump is calling this for what it is, uh, that uh, instead of this being racist, what he calls Elijah Cummings, it's incompetence is what, what it is instead of race, racism. So let's go to break. Before we do that, though, the Dodgers, we normally have trouble with the Dodgers, Steve. We do. Yes, but guess what? Last night, the Rockies found their bats. They clobbered the Dodgers 9-1. to The series continues tonight and tomorrow afternoon. And then the San Francisco Giants come to town. And you know the place to watch all these games, the place to be this summer, is Hooters Restaurants. And you can enjoy Hooters beach-worthy seafood items like fish tacos, delicious snow crab legs, mouth-watering buffalo shrimp. And Hooters has plenty of ice-cold beer options to help you cool down. And Steve, I finally did get some of that buffalo shrimp, and it is delicious. So the other thing I love, though, is for lunch, they have nine items for nine bucks. That's 11 to 3 p.m. Monday through Friday, and there's nine delicious menu items, such as fish and shrimp tacos, salads, cheeseburger, Philly cheesesteak, and, of course, their boneless wings. Sounds so, like where we should have our next staff meeting. We, and you know what? We're going to do that and in – we're going to yeah. do that in August, get the team together. And uh, so, anyway, that is all dine-in, but if you want to stop by and pick up dinner and take it home, you can do that, or you can actually have – Hooters uh, wings delivered right to your front door. So for more information, go to HootersColorado.com. That's HootersColorado.com. And let them know that you know the AmeriChicks. We greatly appreciate that. We're going to go to break, and we're going to continue this important discussion about racism. And then we'll talk about the moral case for fossil fuels with Don Watkins in segments three and four. And thank you to Liberty Oil Field Services for sponsoring this important show. We'll be right back. All AmeriChicks sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the AmeriChicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson and grow your business, contact Kim at AmeriChicks.com. That's AmeriChicks.com. Don't miss Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Join Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks at Water's Edge Winery in Centennial or Colorado Cork and Keg in Castle Rock. And now introducing Vino and Veritas in Fort Collins at Ginger and Baker. 
Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks would like to thank Presidential Wealth Management Loveland for sponsoring the new Vino and Veritas in Fort Collins. In Denver and Castle Rock, Kim would like to thank Presidential Wealth Management Denver and YourTownTaxpayers.com for their generous support. Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Sign up today at AmeriChicks.com. Uh, welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation just wanted to make a few more comments about this whole racism thing. I mean, we are hearing that. It's, it's like the little boy who call, uh, cried wolf all the time. Uh, what has happened now is instead of the, the, the four horsewomen uh, that actually they want to talk about real policy, instead they are talking about racism all the time because you know the reason is? is because their policies, they can't stand the test of time. And that is what the problem is. Um, but this has been very subtle. That's been happening. And, and again, Steve, I would say over the last 20 years or so, is that you started to hear uh, politicians say, uh, you know, I, you want to elect people that look like me. Well, how about you want to elect people that look like me in the heart and in the character? That's what we really want is people that, that believe in this American idea of freedom, liberty, opportunity. That's the kind of people that we want to elect. It's not this outer covering. And uh, we've seen, though, government money has been used to continue to divide us. Don't know if you've been out to DIA recently, Steve, but there's a a whole mural that is on on the wall as you're going through security. And just a note, uh, actually in San Francisco, uh, school district, they are paying $600,000 to paint over a beautiful mural, mural of of George Washington that tells both the good and, and the bad of George Washington. But anyway, there's a mural there. And it is all black people that are doing different things about the founding of Colorado. And I think it's a lovely mural. However, that subtly is dividing us. Instead, I think that they should have had, you know, all of the different races that have contributed instead of just trying to define by one race. And this has all been very subtle. Also down at the um, uh, the Colorado History Museum, this was I think a couple of years ago. There was a whole a whole um, uh, exhibit regarding uh, Latino culture, and again, you know, we're seeing this celebrating those differences instead of the things that bring us together. And my friends, we need to come together and unite. And so when we're looking at electing people that look like Look, look like you, look like me. It's the character. It's what's in the heart. That's what we need to be looking at. So any comments on that, Steve? Uh, otherwise, I'll move on. No, let's, let's move on. Okay. So Complete Colorado, they are uh, a, one of our partners, and they are a great place to get all the news in Colorado. They aggregate news from all over the state, and then they also do original content. But this is from Colorado Springs, the Colorado Springs Parking Enterprise Bear in mind that word enterprise. Director Scott Lee is examining options for raising rates for both on-street and city garage parking. Internal documents obtained by SpringsTaxpayers.com, including emails and spreadsheets, indicate that Lee is looking to substantially increase parking fees over the next five years. He's suggesting that meter parking increase 25 cents per hour 
annually for the next five years, along with extending meter hours and progressive par- uh, pricing that would charge a higher rate for more desirable parking spaces by creating four tiers of meter pricing. Over the next 10 years, Lee forecasting increase in total operating revenues from $4.62 million to $10.38 million in 2030, with unreserved working capital increasing from $8.76 um, in 2019 to $22.89 million in 2030. Now, one of the things, this is another assault on the freedom of mobility. They are trying to get people out of their cars. Think about that hardworking person that needs to go downtown to maybe see their accountant or, or, or see their attorney. This is going to, they're trying to push people into public transit, and public transit takes time. And, uh, and this also obviously looks like a big moneymaker as well. And let's not forget the small businesses downtown, people who would consider going down there like well wait a minute the cost of going down there just seems to keep going up i'm not going i choose to do my business elsewhere i have a friend that has a business in north cherry creek and you know they put in the parking meters there and then also a limited amount of time and so you know you're hurried instead of leisurely maybe going on into different stores and you know enjoying lunch you're always worried about the parking meter but he said that that really has affected their business and so you know as they look at these you know, there these projections out there, these these people, these bureaucrats, they look at things as static. They don't realize, as you mentioned, people are going to do something different. Instead, you're, you know, they, they may not, not go downtown or they're not going to stay as long. So they're not going to shop as much. They may not have lunch. And uh, again, this is an unelected guy who is looking at doing this. And this springstaxpayers.com, this is uh, Laura Carno and Rebecca, I can't remember her last name right now, but they are putting this together, uh, and, and you can actually do – there's a template that you can have for your town as well so that you can start to be a watchdog for your particular town. And so be sure and check that out. Uh, they are also one of the sponsors of Vino and Veritas this month. And, and again, it raises the question. Every, you know, this bureaucrat, he's constrained in his budget, so the solution is to fleece the consumer. Mm-hmm. And, and they do. And they, they talk about caring about everyday hardworking people. But you raise, okay, so you raise uh, parking here. You raise electric, uh, electricity rates here. You raise the cost of uh, automobiles here. And everyday people just continue to get squeezed, and these people get rich off of it. If the everyday people would ever wake up, fully wake up and say, this is an attack on my prosperity in a sense. Well, that's why we do this show. Yes. So, hey, one other thing before we go to uh, talk to Jason McBride, and that is you brought this up. And that is, it kind of got overshadowed by the moon landing, but this was also the 50th anniversary of Chappaquiddick, right? It is, and uh, or it was. And uh, we had just watched a recreation on Netflix, basically bringing other actors in to play all those parts. And it was the, the whatever they call this, a, a, that's Jason, uh, whatever they call it. <laughs> Hold on, Jason. Uh, yeah, hang on, Jason. Um, <laughs> There, there's a, a term for what for video things, tricks that they use to cause images in your own head. Every nighttime scene, uh, when it first was going down, when the car went into the water, the moon was in the background, a full moon. Knowing that this was going on concurrently, with the moon landing and Chappaquiddick were almost right on top of each other. Wow. And what that is, is Ted Kennedy uh, was out driving with, I can't remember her name right now, but a young 
a young woman and uh, the car went into the river and he got out. He did not save her. She drowned. And there really probably was a a cover up on that. And of course, then the fact that there was the moon landing that that covered it up as well. So um, I think your your comment as we were talking about it before we started the show is, is that just the the power that the Kennedys had to cover that up. It was pretty significant. Well, absolutely. Well, once in the way the story was told, once Teddy got himself back into the real world, I guess a, a private a pilot had flown him back to, was it Martha's Vineyard? Probably. Kennedy Estate was, or Fortress. Immediately, there was a whole team of people there waiting to do damage control. And he, first he got chastised by his father, who was very much a central part of all this. And uh, then he got thrown to these wolves in terms of, this is how we're going to manage this. And mm-hmm. he had already made so many bad mistakes mm-hmm. in that first 12-hour period. Uh, you know, these guys were aghast. What are we going to do? Mm-hmm. So, so th- I think they were probably pretty grateful that the, we had had the moon landing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because that was even... Actually, it's funny you would say that because one of the guys the, in charge of the press said, we can run cover or let the moon landing run cover for us. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Definitely. So anyway, 50 years ago, seems like yesterday, right, Steve? <laughs> Don't go there. <laughs> so, hey, Jason McBride, how are you doing this morning? Oh, fantastic, Kim. Good morning. Well, it's good to talk to you. We both had a little bit of time off last week, and so we're back in the saddle now. That's right. That's right. And the horse is unhappy. <laughs> so, but hey, let's get serious here. Jason, the market experts seem to think that we'll get a rate cut when the Fed wraps its meeting up tomorrow. What are you thinking? Well, I kind of think it's a tough call, Kim. I, I honestly don't see any real reason for them to cut the rates. The economy seems fine. Uh, no alarming weakness or problems that I really see. So I tend to think if they do cut rates, it would only happen because of political pressure. Well, and so maybe it would be better if the Fed would hold off on this, you think? Well, that's, that's my opinion. In, in reality, I think it'd be better if the Fed uh, did a lot less meddling altogether and jawboning altogether, but that's not the world we live in. So accepting that we kind of live in this bizarro Fed world, I'd say you're better off to save the powder for when it might really be needed, and why waste the limited ammo they have when there really isn't any problem right now? You know, I agree with you, but a lot of talking heads think that Powell went way too far in raising the rates from zero to the current 2.25% or so. And it seemed, if I remember right, Jason, it was like there were eight eight increases, uh, you know, in the first couple of years of Trump's presidency and of course it was zero percent during the obama administration but the market had a tantrum late late last year Uh, and you don't think the rate hikes were the problem i i really don't kim when you watched uh the the actual hikes didn't seem to blow the market up the market you know it took them pretty much in stride it was when powell got way out over his skis after kind of that last hike and, and implied that there was no end in sight to the rate hikes, 
that's when the market ran into trouble because everybody kind of thought this is the last one. Uh, all, and then he says, nope, get ready for a whole bunch more. Uh, and then you remember he, he did a sudden 180 just as fast, and then the market came roaring back. Right, right. Well, Jason, I know just how much you love it when I ask you for a prediction. But, of course, I have to ask, what do you think is going to happen? Um my best guess, I'd say either a quarter point cut or no change at all. And the futures indicate uh, like a, a 73% chance of a quarter point cut, uh, like a 24% chance of a half a point cut. But if you remember last time around, they, they had a, a rate cut basically at 100%, and then it didn't happen. So I'll guess a quarter point or no change at all. Okay, and what do you think the market's going to do? Boy, you're going to try to get me twice in one day, huh? <laughs> you but, got it. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, I think, Kim, it's not going to like a rate cut as much as some of the, the big smarties think that the market would. Uh, I would guess if we get a cut, of course, you get a, a short-lived uh positive reaction, maybe a quick rally, but then I think you get some weakness or just kind of lackluster again. You know how these guys are. They'll be glad for the rate cut for about five seconds, and then they'll say, oh, hey, wait, the Fed wouldn't have cut the rates unless they're worried about the economy (laughs) slowing down. So, uh, And then I think if we don't get a cut short-term, you know, a little bit of negativity because the market seems to kind of be expecting it. But I think we'd bounce back from that really quick. So, Kim, I'll tell you, overall, I think we don't get much of a big effect out of this at all unless they cut the rate by uh, a half a point and then also have some kind of unexpected rhetoric that, that surprises everybody. Okay, okay. Well, Jason, with all of that out there, I know you look at the big picture, but what you really specialize in is people's own personal economy. You, John Buckingham, the whole team over there at Presidential Wealth Management. And so, folks, if you would like to talk to Jason or any of his colleagues over at Presidential, their phone number is 303-694-1600. That's 303-694-1600. And then our landing page, chickspresidential.com, it has your podcast and all kinds of great information there as well, Jason. All right. Well, I think that's great, Kim. Again, that's chickspresidential.com. Easy to remember. And you have a great show. Well, thanks so much. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Okay. Bye, Kim. Okay. Thanks. That's Jason McBride, Presidential Wealth Management. We're going to go to break. When we come back, we'll be talking with Don Watkins regarding the moral case for fossil fuels. He was the editor for Alex Epstein's important book. And then Don is also the Director of Education at the Center for Industrial Progress. I love that name. So we're going to go to break. We'll be right back. Are you looking for news, not propaganda? Ready for a news source you can actually trust? How about a news site that doesn't want to sell you a subscription? Visit CompleteColorado.com to see all the latest news from around Colorado. Complete Colorado's staff scours news sources from around the state and nation to bring you only the top stories that affect you right here in our great state. Updated three times a day, CompleteColorado.com has full-time reporters doing original investigations and reporting like newspapers used to do, as well as opinion and political commentary from a variety of Colorado voices. And CompleteColorado.com is the only place to read columnist Mike Rosen. Always fresh content, always free, always informed. CompleteColorado.com. 
your complete source for Colorado news. You want to succeed, so you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and Americhick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best. And guys, Kim can help you with made-to-measure shirts that fit great and you'll love to wear. Guys and gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email Kim at Americhicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at Americhicks.com. Come join the ADA Drive-In for all your favorite blockbuster movies. We're open seven days a week. Admission is only $9 per person, and children under 12 are free. Friday, July 26th through Thursday, August 1st, features will include The Lion King, Toy Story 4, and Spider-Man Far From Home. And remember our popular Monday through Thursday pizza special. Get one 12-inch pizza served fresh and hot from our oven and two tall, cool 16-ounce sodas, all for only 12 bucks. Plus, now you can top it all off with our new sweet, crunchy churros and a steaming cup of hot chocolate. For more information, go to our Facebook page or visit our website at 88drivein.net. You get more out of life when you go out to a movie. You'd like to get in touch with one of Kim Munson's sponsors, but you can't recall their phone number. Find a full list of advertising partners on americhicks.com. Oh, man, I love all these songs. I tell you, thank you, Charlie. You do such a great job on all of that bumper music. This is Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks, and we are dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. And just a quick note, you heard that um, spot for 88 Drive-In Theater, and I am going to go out and work the snack bar on Friday evening, August 16th, and so come out and um, join me. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Just you? Are you going to come out as well, Steve? I could. That would be awesome. So I think Susan would love it if we did that. So, But let's jump in here. We have Don Watkins on the line with us. We're talking about the moral case for fossil fuels. This is our health and hydrocarbon show, and this is brought to you by Liberty Oilfield Services. Don Watkins, thank you so much for joining the Americhicks with Kim Munson. It really is a pleasure. I am so excited to talk with you uh, because uh, fossil fuels, hydrocarbons, have been getting a really bad rap particularly here in Colorado. We've got our hands full with uh, people trying to shut down the oil and gas industry. And uh, this book, The Moral Case for Fossil Fuels, is fascinating. You worked with Alex Epstein on this. You were his editor, which, you know, that's so important. So tell us a little bit about what you do with the Center for Industrial Progress, and then let's talk about the book. So uh, I've been friends and with Alex for a long time, for well over a decade, and he was a, a mentor for mine. I've written on numerous different business and economic issues. And about 13 or 14 years ago, he became really interested in, in this issue of energy because energy is the industry that powers every other industry. And so if we get good decisions in the realm of energy, everything in our lives becomes better. And if we make bad decisions, everything becomes worse. But one of the things that he saw was the way we were thinking about energy was not really focused on what will improve human flourishing, that when it came to energy and environmental issues, we're taught to be green, which means to minimize our impact on nature. And so what you really get is a big anti-development streak and anti-energy abundance. Whereas if you're focused on what will actually improve human flourishing, you don't want to minimize your impact. You want to maximize your positive impact and minimize your negative impact. 
And so if you're thinking about energy in that way that's looking at both the costs and the benefits of different sources of energy, Alex came to the conclusion that actually we should be using more fossil fuels, not less. And just his enthusiasm and clarity in the issue uh, took me from somebody who was not interested in energy at all into somebody who really wanted to champion energy abundance. And as you mentioned, this is crucial for Colorado because Colorado could be a leading energy producer. And instead, there are many companies, oil and gas companies, based in the state who don't operate in the state because it has become so hostile towards uh, energy production from fossil fuels. Well, and let's talk about human flourishing. You know, uh, there was uh, somebody had sent me, uh, I think it was uh, thoughts from a hipster. This was a young woman who is, uh, I think, in her late 20s that said the gen- this generation doesn't know uh, non-prosperity, I guess, if you will. You know, that things have always been pretty good, and so we take it for granted. They don't realize that just what what contributes to making life so good for us. And, uh, and then there's been this, as you mentioned, this whole green movement. Uh, and um, I think where I'm headed with this question is, what about our young people that think it's virtuous to, quote-unquote, be green, when in essence, as you're talking about, human flourishing, I think, is more virtuous. How would you address that, Don Watkins? Well, I would say that part of what has made young people uh, really embrace the green movement to the extent they have is precisely because they've never been offered an alternative ideal. So what you've generally had is that you have the green idealism, which young people are tend to be very idealistic, and then you have people who say, well, look, we agree with you that, yeah, it would be great to be green. Yes, it would be great to ha- you know, minimize our footprint, and minimize our impact. But we have to be practical. This creates jobs. This creates prosperity versus what we think is that, no, there's, there's a superior ideal, one that doesn't ask us to surrender prosperity and flourishing, but one that widens our perspective to see that impacts on nature are only one consideration in the broader goal of making human life as good as possible. And a core part of making human life, including our environment, as good as possible is energy abundance. So if you think about, for instance, um, who has a better environment, people 300 years ago or people today? I mean, there's no question that today we have so much more clean water. We have cleaner air because it's not filled with disease from, you know, animal dung, from burning fires in our homes. We've, we've been able to use energy to massively improve our naturally dirty environment. And so the wider issue here is that if you offer a superior ideal, rather than granting and conceding that the idealism lies with those who want to stop development, who want to stop industrial progress, I think that that can be very appealing. And certainly we've seen it be very appealing to young people and to older people as well. I mean, one of the reasons I wanted to work with Alex is I've never seen so many people, including people who were dyed-in-the-wool environmentalists, say, you've changed my mind. It's very rare that people change their mind on fundamental issues, and when they do change their mind on fundamental issues, it's precisely because they're being offered a superior ideal. They're not being told, yeah, the other side is idealistic, but not very practical. Well, and you you mentioned uh, over the last 300 years, I was actually reading something just the other day about... 2,000 years ago, and they said that the life expectancy, I think, of women was around age 30, and I think men was age 34. And, you know, life was really, really hard back then. 
And um, when Audrey Carlson was on last month, she's with Liberty Oil Field Services, which, you know, they, they, you know, we talk about health and hydrocarbons. She said that in third world countries, once you start to have, you know, um, more affordable energy, once you start to have, you know, uh, hydrocarbons, it frees women up to be able to do other things. Uh, For example, women typically in third world countries have to go out and gather the wood, they have to gather the water, and that takes a lot of time. Once they don't have to do that, they actually have cleaner air, they have cleaner water, and they have more time to do other things. And so there's something really moral about doing that, right, Don? Yeah, I mean, one way to think about it is what is energy? Energy empowers us because it empowers us to use machines to do our work for us. Machines are basically, they're like us in that they need calories in order to function. And so what you can think of as fossil fuels and other sources of energy are machine calories. And the more calories we have for our machines, the more that we're empowered and the less that women and everybody else has to resort to brute physical labor, which ensures that you're going to have a very low standard of living. And, you know, even if you think, uh, and so then the question is, okay, but why fossil fuels? Why can't we just use some other form of energy? And in some situations we can. I mean, I think nuclear power, particularly if it's liberated from a lot of the unnecessary regulations that make it expensive, uh, can be really great for electricity. But fossil fuels have a proven track record of being superior, both in their affordability and their flexibility. That is, they solve virtually every energy challenge, portable power, our ability to create new materials from them, um, the, the, uh, our ability, obviously, to have cheap electricity, and nothing else has been able to touch it. And certainly not today, the most politically correct forms of energy, solar and wind, which is, if you were really, if they have... Um, far from proving themselves, they've proven themselves unable to supply us with affordable energy because they are intermittent, that they can't, that the fuel source is unreliable, and that that makes it completely incapable of powering an industrial civilization. And so, insofar as we value energy for precisely the kinds of reasons you mentioned, we have to value the best fuels to supply that energy. And today, I think if you look very carefully at both the positives and the negatives of all the alternatives, our view and the reason why we think there's a moral case for fossil fuels is that for most people, for many uses, they are the best source today and for the foreseeable future. Well, Don Watkins, you had mentioned machines, okay, and how they make our lives better. And I'm just going to talk about something really simple, and that is a washing machine. You know, um, my aunt back in Kansas on wash day, uh, she would go downstairs. She she had trouble walking. She would go downstairs and she would spend the whole day washing clothes because, you know, they did not have an electric uh, washing machine at that particular point in time. Now, I mean, that was a whole day that she had to do that. Today, I can have the machine do that for me. Then I can go out and I can throw the dishes in the dishwasher and they can t- that can take care of that. That also takes a lot of time. And that allows me to do research for my show, to get my show guests, and to do other things. So I become more efficient. And you made this really important point that energy is like calories for a machine. And I have to ask you, we're going to go to break, and I'm going to let this hang out here because you're familiar with what's going on in Colorado We have a legislature and a governor who are using the force of their power 
to try to shut down these calories that make our lives better. So I want to ask you if you have any reason why and what we should do about that. So we're going to go to break. This is Kim Munson. I'm talking with Don Watkins. He is the Director of Education at the Center for Industrial Progress. This is our Health and Hydrocarbon Show brought to you by Liberty Oilfield Services. We'll be right back. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. As a director with the National Association of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect private property rights. Karen Levine believes in homeownership. Because of Karen's love of dogs, Karen volunteers with GRRR, Golden Retriever Rescue of the Rockies, helping Golden Retrievers find their forever homes. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Karen Levine comes highly recommended by the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. Call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. That's 303-877-7516. Social media is important to the AmeriChicks since it's an avenue we can utilize to hear from and speak to all of our friends. For those of you who enjoy listening to the show, we'd love to hear what's on your radar. Follow us and talk to us at AmeriChicks Twitter and Facebook pages. Also, if you're a business owner who could benefit from some extra foot traffic from like-minded friends, consider advertising on the AmeriChicks radio show. Contact us at AmeriChicks.com or email Kim at AmeriChicks.com. Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. Thrilled to be having a conversation with Don Watkins. He is uh, the Director of Education at the Center for Industrial Progress. Love that. And he is uh, the editor of Alex Epstein's important book, The Moral Case for Fossil Fuels. And, you know, Don Watkins, what you have just described is, is that affordable, reliable, and efficient energy allows us to live bigger and better lives because the energy can be the calories of, uh, of machines that, that allow us to, to become more efficient, if you will, to be able to go, you know, do more. And here in Colorado, we've got politicians, bureaucrats, and interested parties that are, are putting in policies that essentially could shut down new oil and gas development right here in Colorado. Any reason, do you, why? What do you think? Why? Well, I mentioned before that the way that we think about different energy sources is that we have to look both at their positives and the negatives. And I've talked about the positive of fossil fuels. That is that they are superior in their ability to supply cheap, plentiful, reliable energy. But people are properly concerned, well, what about the costs? And there's two major costs that people are concerned with, and that is that it has a catastrophic impact on our climate, excuse me, on our climate. And then it has a catastrophic impact on our environment. I talked a little bit about the environmental issues and the way in which fossil fuels have actually helped us improve our environment, and we've gotten better at using technology to reduce those side effects. Um, in Colorado, there have been, you know, the, the whole debate over, uh, was it Proposition 112? I always get yep. my numbers mm-hmm. yep. mixed up. Um, was the claim that the, uh, the shale technology, often called fracking, had certain negative health and environmental impacts, and we can talk about that. But then, of course, there's the, the people concerned about, well, it's causing ca- uh, catastrophic climate change. And so if you, if you really believe that 
the, the negatives are as bad as people say they are, and then if you undervalue the positives, then you're going to reach a very different conclusion than we do. And part of our view is why do people reach such a wrong conclusion is because they're often very biased in their thinking about our energy sources. That is, we often only ever hear the negatives about fossil fuels. We only ever hear about pollution and about climate and never the positives. But yet when we talk about um, solar and wind and you know, so-called green technologies, we only ever hear positives. We never hear about their negative impacts. And so if you're, if you're looking through a biased lens, you're not going to be able to reach the right conclusions. And so I, what, what Alex does in the moral case for fossil fuels is he tries to go through and very carefully as best he can look at all of those positives and negatives. And so, you know, we can talk a little bit uh, about that here. But what I really want to stress to people is that it's the framework that's important. It's looking very carefully at the positives and the negatives as precisely as we can in order to determine what energy choices and what fuel sources will be best for human flourishing. Okay. I think I'm going to ask you a big question then when we're talking about negatives. Uh, you know, we, we have, uh, like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has quoted that, you know, we're going to burn up uh, in, in 12 years if we don't do something. In the first chapter of the book, The Secret uh, History of Fossil Fuels, you or, or Alex talks about, you know, some of these uh, leading environmentalists like Bill McKibben, and I think, is it uh, Ehrlich? I can't remember his uh, first name yeah, now. Paul Ehrlich. Paul Ehrlich. That 30 years ago, they were uh, predicting that, uh, for example, that that Britain would just almost be underwater and there, it would just be, you know, just an island. Nothing would be going on there. Their predictions have not come true. Can you address that a bit? Because, you know, many of the our young people are buying into this that we're going to burn up in 12 years. And, and if that, in fact, was the case, it would be real, irresponsible to not do something about it. But these people have not, uh, their predictions have not uh, panned out, right? No, they haven't panned out. And so it raises the question of why. And our, our view in the end is that they're not actually thinking carefully about the issue. They're not, the, the leaders of the environmental movement are not concerned with what will enhance human flourishing they're consumed with what will minimize human impact on the planet, and therefore they're not particularly concerned with making sure that we have the right energy choices. They want to stop the energy that allows us to have a massive, and I would argue overwhelmingly positive, impact on the planet through, through development. I mean, it, um, And so then the question is, well, what really is, you know, it, the fact that they made wrong predictions in the past, of course, does not prove that they're making wrong predictions now. And so, it, I mean, a good starting point is just to get clarity on like, well, what do we know and what don't we know about, you know, the climate impact of our use of fossil fuels? And what, what, and the, you know, starting point is that we know that at least in the lab, there's a warming influence of greenhouse gases like CO2. And so the whole debate is what is the magnitude out in the world when we have a situation where we've increased the atmospheric concentration of CO2 from 0.03 to 0.04 percent of the atmosphere. And what we've seen in reality so far is a mild warming trend. And what what they're predicting, though, is that there's just going to be this runaway point of catastrophic warming. And yet, if you actually look even at the IPCC, which is the, the UN group that's tasked with analyzing climate. Now, I don't actually think that uh, I, I think there's criticisms that can be leveled at them. But they are not making anything like these predictions of the world is going to end in 12 years and we have to get off fossil fuels. It's that there's going to be costs involved. 
but you also have to take into account the benefits. And one of the benefits of affordable energy from fossil fuels is that it allows us to adapt to an inherently dangerous climate. And it's not taking seriously the adaptive power of human beings with abundant energy that completely distorts people's uh, understanding of this issue. Because, look, our goal is not an unchanged climate. Our goal is climate safety. And yet, if you actually look at what's happened over the last century, as we've gotten more technology thanks to abundant energy, we have become incredibly more safe from climate. That is, uh, climate-related deaths have declined by 98%. And it's not because the climate itself has become so much kinder to us. It's precisely because we have mastered our, the ability to cope with climate. And so we have to try to really figure out as best we can you know, what are going to be the climate impacts of our use of fossil fuels. But we have to also keep in mind that the most important thing, the thing that we can't surrender, is our ability to use energy to cope with uh, our climate. Because if we don't have energy, then no climate is livable. And if we do have abundant energy, then almost any climate is livable. Well, and a quick question. Don't plants live off of CO2? Well, yes, and we've seen global greening. We've seen enhanced uh, growth of plants around the planet. And this is part of the point where I said we have to look at the costs and the benefits. Nobody talks about potential benefits from warming. It's as if there were only costs. And now you don't necessarily know from that that the benefits of warming will outweigh the costs. But if you're not looking at both sides, how are you ever going to reach the right decision? Well, and what I think that I hear you say, Don Watkins, is that you are taking an honest look at these energy sources. You're taking an honest look at the the benefits, as you mentioned, as well as the positives and the negatives. And my my other thought is, is many people that I, I think are pushing um, really the green movement, sometimes it seems to me that they don't care about human flourishing. And I, I want to know what is their benchmark uh, regarding you know, is it is you know should the temperature be what it was in 1960? Should it be 1890? What is that benchmark? And it seems to me like they are are kind of using that to stop human flourishing instead of empowering that. Well, I said that the way I think about it is let's have the safest climate, which is not just what is the natural climate doing, but our ability to cope with it. But it, their ideal not just in climate, but in everything, is that the perfect planet, including the perfect temperature or the perfect climate, is what would exist if human beings had never existed. And so our whole goal should be is to be, that's what it means to minimize your footprint, is to get the planet into as close a state of human beings not existing as you possibly can. And I think that is a corrupt ideal, because the way that we survive and flourish is precisely by having an impact on the planet, by building New York City rather than leaving it as just a you know empty swamp and by creating giant energy sources so that you know we are not having to spend our lives plodding down to get a few buckets of water that is supposed to last us the day that we can you know have all of the abundance that we have and live the lives that we do today and what you want and so if you have a movement where the core leadership thinks that that is bad that that human flourishing through industrial progress is bad then uh, then that becomes a real serious concern. And what my concern is, is not those people, but their ability to convince us that, that the only alternative 
is that we're just destroying the planet. And that is not the alternative. The alternative is improving the planet through industrial progress, not and and and, and that's what we're championing at the Center for Industrial Progress. Well, fantastic. We are out of time, Don Watkins. So just your quick final thought, how can people get more information from you? Uh, the best thing to do is to go to industrialprogress.com and sign up for our newsletter where they can every week get the best resources for energy clarity available. Well, that is really terrific. Don Watkins, I'd love to have you back. This is absolutely fascinating and uh, greatly appreciate that. This this idea that instead of... Um, uh, people not flourishing. I mean, your whole message is one of bigger, better, how people can live bigger and better and, and more prosperous lives. And I love that, Don Watkins. It's been a pleasure. Okay, thank you so much. And so we are out of time. Our quote for today is from John D. Rockefeller, founder of Standard Oil. He says, I believe in the dignity of labor, whether with head or hand. That the world owes no man a living, but that it owes every man an opportunity to make a living. So today, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. This is Kim Munson signing off. God bless you, and God bless America.